Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. I believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take one book a semester, one chapter a week, and we'll really dig in to understand the context and culture that the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply what God was saying to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are going through the book of Daniel, and today's episode is Daniel chapter 9, The Prayer of All Prayers. Well, this chapter honestly was hard for me. I had a crazy week, as probably many of you had, because we had a lot of family gatherings and a special service because of the time of year that it is, and then this message of the 70 weeks of years had many different viewpoints and understandings from different scholars. And so I was trying to go through all of those. And I just want to remind you that I'm studying this in real time with you. This isn't something that I have been preparing six months in advance and already know what I'm teaching. I am studying it alongside of you because I want to make this as real and authentic um, as I can, because the goal of this is to say, hey, we can do this together. And so I know what y'all know at the same time. And when studying this chapter or any chapter, I am asking the Lord to speak. So I don't have any preconceived plans of what I want to teach. I am just letting the text teach and speak for itself. And so like I do every week, I'm asking the Lord what what do you have to say through this? And this week it was more of a pity party. <laughs> Lord, I don't even understand this and there hasn't been time. Like, what could I possibly say? I take this very seriously, so I don't want to teach something incorrectly and all the things. Well, God ended up responding and I heard him more clear on this chapter probably than any other chapter. And I heard the words, focus on the prayer. Well, the prayer is what I had spent the least amount of time going over, but when God speaks, we're going to be obedient. Uh, we'll also talk about this hearing from God later in this chapter, but God wants us to focus on the prayer, and that's what we're focusing on today. So at the start of this chapter, Daniel is about 81 years old um, in this part of the story, and it's the first year of Darius the Mede's reign. Now, remember, these chapters aren't necessarily in order anymore. So we've already gone through what that looked like practically when Darius the Mede took over. Now, verse 2 is a powerful key to why God spoke and gave visions and dreams to Daniel or to his, any of his children. In verse 2, we see that Daniel was reading the word of God. Now, in the world system, people with beauty, fame, money, brain, special abilities get the rewards. This, another word for the world system is the beast system. And you've already seen why, because in the God of this earth, <laughs> Satan, um, it has his own beast system and he's doing everything that he can in his power to get us to focus on things that are so temporal that are going to fade away because the powerful things, the things that mean things are things that will go on for eternity. So in God's economy, it's always 
the faithful, the obedient who get the reward. In fact, Jesus gives this famous sermon on the mount at the very beginning of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 5, he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, the poor in spirit, we hear poor, and in the beast system, that's a negative thing. That's a bad thing. And God's economy, he's saying, it's just the opposite. Those that are poor in spirit are those that know that without God, they are nothing. They are 100% depending on him. And this takes a great amount of humility. And he is saying, blessed are those people, happy, joyful, um, all of their needs um, are going to be met. He also says, bless those who mourn. Now, God's goal is not for his children to walk around sad. That's not what this is saying. Those who mourn is specifically talking about the in context of mourning over the sin that led Israel into exile. It's the attitude of repentance. It's being sad that you broke the heart of God and what your consequences have done to a nation. He also goes in to say, blessed are those that are gentle in spirit. That's those who stubbornly trust God and surrender even when it doesn't make sense. The list goes on. The next one is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But this is God's world and God's system. Now, Daniel, in his very important role of being the second in command and running this empire, has schedules and meetings and leadership that he is doing. He is extremely busy, but we see time and time and time and time again, he always puts first the things of God. He wakes up, he does his prayers. And this particular morning, we see that he is reading from the respected prophet Jeremiah. Now, this, the words of Jeremiah wasn't in the canon yet. This wasn't in book form with cute little tabs from Etsy to quickly find where Jeremiah was speaking. This would have been a large scroll, handwritten, and Daniel was reading it and searching for God. And in verse two, he says, I understood from Jeremiah that the number of years of desolation of Israel would be 70. He also saw that this was almost complete. What I noticed right off is that God opened Daniel's understanding when he was reading someone else's prophecy. God will do this. God will reveal his mysteries to those of us who worship in spirit and truth, not for those of us who are just opening our Bible, quickly going through so we can check a box. That doesn't work. God, God's economy does not work that way. He wants to connect with you. He wants us to know him and to know his heart. And when we connect in that way, he will reveal the mysteries of his word to us. He is looking for someone um, that serve him out of love and devotion. Now, what was Jeremiah saying? Well, we're going to take a look at Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. I'm going to read that. So if you want to pause it and pull that up on your phone and read with me, now will be a good time to do it. But in verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, this place being Israel. Now, why 70? I don't know if you remember, but the very beginning of this book, we talked about one of the two reasons Israel was punished and cursed into exile. It was one because they were worshiping false gods and doing horrible things to their children and um, to one another in order to worship these false gods. But the second thing is they were not obeying the Sabbath year. Now, 
One day a week, they were supposed to take a Sabbath rest for their physical bodies. But one year out of seven, they were supposed to let the land rest. This was in their Levitical law. And for 490 years, they did not obey. So that meant for 70 years within those 490, there were supposed to be 70 Sabbath years and they did not obey. So God was allowing them to be ruled by other nations for the amount of years that they did not give back to him. Now, I'm going to go back and read this again because the next verse is so important to read in context. So again, verse 10 says, When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, this is probably one of the most well-known verses in the Holy Bible. And in context, God is speaking to his nation that he allowed to go into exile to get them to wake up and to repent. And then he's telling them and promising them, I will bring you back home and I have great plans for you. I had to allow you to be punished for a little while to get your attention because my plans are far better than you doing things in your own way and will. Verse 12 goes on to say, then you will call on me and I will come when you pray. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and the places where I have banished you, says the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, here's the deal. Daniel read these words. It didn't say a date or a time or exactly when that was going to take place, but Daniel understood that this was for his time. He believed it and he applied what the prophet had said. Just like Jeremiah instructed, Daniel turns to God in prayer and petitions. Now, prayer and petitions, these are kind of the same thing. It's a respectful and humble request that brings God the glory. You're actually praying what scripture says. So scripture had already said that God was going to deliver them. And Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Daniel was praying the word of God. And he knew that this would ultimately bring God glory. Petitions are not a long list of things that you want like God is Santa Claus. So that is something to be careful for. It says that Daniel also prayed with fasting in sackcloth and ashes. These three things were customary ways to express sorrow. They were outward symbols of an inward heart condition. So the first thing we're going to talk about is fasting. And we know that Daniel fasted. This is He's done this several times already. This is when you deny your flesh, and this seemed to be his normal practice. Now, there is much controversy over what fasting is supposed to look like. And here recently, um, my, my church, along with many churches, um, do a church-wide fast. And in here recently, it's brought to my attention that somebody was being critical because the Word of God says that no one is supposed to know that you're fasting. And our church puts it out on social media for our people to be able to follow the schedule. And I just wanted to take a minute to address that. What that person was talking about was from Matthew 6, 16. And I'm not going to read that. You can read the passage and please do. But I'm going to pick out key words from this passage that Jesus is saying, when you fast. So right there, we know it's a command. When you fast, not if you do. 
Don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do so that people will admire them. So this is what was happening in Jesus's day. A hypocrite was the Greek word for an actor, somebody who's pretending on stage. So he's saying these Pharisees and Sadducees that have these cold, ugly hearts, he called them broods of vipers. These were the religious figures that were doing things for their own personal gain using that role for personal gain. And he's saying they are hypocrites. They don't really want to worship me. They want to make themselves great in the eyes of the people. So they are pretending. And he's saying, don't make it obvious like they do. And their, their motives are so that people would admire them. Jesus is not really communicating that no one is ever allowed to know that you're fasting. This is important because that, that's discipleship. If there are people that I am discipling, they need to know that I fast and how I fast so that they can replicate that. And same thing with the nation of Israel. There would be kings that would call the nation to fast. Well, there had to be some way to communicate that word. I don't I don't think that it was secret code and, and sent in the darkest part of the night so that no one in the surrounding nations would know that they are fasting. They probably had a big meeting about it. And so today's day and age... That is social media or maybe from the platform. But God is saying it's this is a heart condition. What is your heart condition? Are you pretending to go without food so that people think that you're great? That, that is the matter there. And also in those days, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they would pat like different things on their face to make them look more weary. And so what Jesus also communicated to his followers were, you should look normal as if you're not fasting. So he's never really saying this has to be tip talk secret so that no one knows. This is all about the heart condition. Are you communicating to people that there is going to be a church-wide fast because, hey, guys, let's come together and let's seek God. Are you wanting people to think that you're holy? This is the difference of that. He also is wearing sackcloth. This is um, made of coarse goat hair, and it was uncomfortable, and it was just a cultural symbol of repentance and humility. And then in Daniel's day, they would sit in ash and put it on their forehead, and this was to be an outward display of a repentant heart. See, this was a cultural norm. It wasn't forbidden for people to know that they were mourning. God, in fact, times wants an outward display of an inward heart condition. It is when you're using those outward displays to bring yourself glory instead of God glory that it becomes a problem. So... One of the things I love about doing this in community, this was such a difficult chapter and we all in my small group came in yesterday kind of laughing and saying, okay, we're going to figure this out together. But one thing that I just sat back and loved was that conversation flowed for an hour and a half over this chapter. There were my, there might be big chunks that we didn't fully understand, but there were so many nuggets or there were little truths that we understood that we could share with one another and that built each other's understanding. One of the things that we just sat around and talked about was this prayer and and um, one of the ladies in my group said, you know, I truly can admit that I have never prayed with this much intensity. Not that we are going to put on sackcloth and ash in our day, but what are things in our day that would symbolize the true repentant heart that we have? And so we just all kind of sat around and asked ourselves, have we ever prayed with the heart of Daniel? And this is something challenging. I love that. And so... In Daniel chapter four, um, chapter four, verse four, he ends up confessing 
and um, in his prayer. Notice that Daniel takes ownership of his people. He never says, well, my people do this, they do that. He repents on behalf of his nation. Dr. Constable in his notes says that he per uh, personally, Daniel had been faithful, but as an Israelite, he partakes in the blessings and the cursings. So if he wants to take on the blessings of the Israelite nation, he also is going to have to find ownership in the cursings. And notice um, he speaks the great awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant to those who love and keep his commands. What he is doing here is speaking out God's promises and honoring God for that. What is the gracious covenant that he is talking about? Well, in Genesis 17, this is a conversation that God is having with Abraham. He says, I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every generation as an enduring covenant that I will be your God and your descendants God after you. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are immigrants, the whole land of Canaan, as an enduring possession, and I will be their God. This covenant that God made with Abraham was about the people, and it was about the land, and it was an unconditional covenant. What I mean about that is when covenants were made, both parties had to hold up their end of the bargain for the covenant to stay intact. But if you read scripture, Jesus, or God, puts Abraham in a deep sleep, and he passes through the, the bloody sacrificed animals twice. He does it once for himself, and then he does it once for Abraham. And what that was signifying is that even if Abraham does not keep his promise, God is still going to be faithful to keep his end of the covenant. It was an unconditional covenant. So, this behavior of speaking God's promises was not to remind God. God knew his covenant. He wasn't going to forget it, and he was going to keep it. But this behavior of Daniel speaking it was actually building his faith. And this is something that we can do. We can speak God's promises, not as a reminder to God necessarily, but as a reminder to ourselves. And when we speak truth, there's power in those words. God's word says that there's life or death and the power of our tongue, and speaking God's truth is speaking forth life. This is a prayer in this chapter of confession and repentance. What is confession? Well, it is admitting that we violated God's law, and it comes from a genuine place in our hearts, not because we were caught, so we have to admit it, but from a genuine heart sorrow. Blessed are those who mourn. That's what he was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I just want to say when we confess our sins, there's two ways that God's word commands us to do it. And it is very encouraging what God's word says. In 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sins to God, that is for the forgiveness and cleansing of sin. But then James 5, 16 tells us, that it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we are likewise supposed to confess our sins to other believers who we trust and who we know are not going to use it against us. But their role is to pray for us. And that brings the healing from the consequences of sin. So we pray to God for forgiveness and cleansing of our sin. And we confess to one another so that we can be healed. Also, 
Repentance was part of his prayer. This is an action word. It's changing the course and heading in a different direction. When I was small and young, I used to think repentance was just saying, oh, I'm sorry, God. And as a teenager, I would go right back out and do that one thing again and tell him I'm sorry. That's not repentance. That's apologizing. Repentance is changing course and heading in a different direction. It's making a 180 degree turn. And John the Baptist actually preached that repentance that this changing our direction, changing our way, prepared the way for the coming Messiah. And I believe that scripture is saying the same thing today, that our repentant heart for our nation, for our people, will prepare the way for his second coming. A very concerning problem in our culture is that people are Bible illiterate, and that means that they are ignorant of their own sin. Jesus in Matthew 24, 12 says a sign of the end times is that people's hearts will wax cold. People aren't even convicted because they don't have an intimate love relationship with God and they don't know the things he cares about. And many churches aren't preaching what these things are because that message doesn't fill seats. And people with cold hearts, they want to hear the warm, fuzzy, feel-good messages. And so that is really where the current church state is right now. Whew, that's a heavy thing. We really have to know God's heart and what he wants, and that cultivates a repentant and humble heart within us. Verse 10 of this chapter, Daniel says, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his instructions that has set us that he set up before through his servants and prophets. Do you hear the voice of God? Do you know what that sounds like? Well, I promise you, it really sounds different for different people. Um, some people see visions or have dreams that the Lord is speaking to them. I mean, my goodness, this list can go far and wide. For me personally, it is in my thoughts. I have these thoughts, but when I know that I know they're from God, I know that my thoughts weren't even going. My personal thoughts weren't even going the direction. For example, when I prayed for help for this chapter, I was really talking about the 70 weeks. I mean, this the, the prayer part of it wasn't even on my radar. So when I heard teach the prayer I knew that wasn't my own personal thoughts, but that's basically what it sounded like, just my thoughts. When we connect with God through his holy word, this word is living and it, Jesus was the word made flesh. And so there is something spiritual about the word of God and that is how he speaks to our spirit. And so I just promise you, I don't know what it will look like for you, but when you connect to the word and you're doing it not out of duty checklist, but really let let me dig in, even if it's three verses a day, get the meaning of it so that I can know the heart of God and God, I love you and God, please speak to me when I'm reading your word. He's going to answer that prayer. I've been serving in ministry for 27 years and nothing comes close to seeing heart change and people being transformed than me watching them actually opening their Bible and reading it for what it is and discovering the heart of God. No workbook Bible study, no Christian book, no lecture comes close to the transformation of the human heart. The Bible, again, is living and has power. Well, Daniel, I keep wanting to say Jeremiah, Daniel closes his prayer in verse 19, Lord hear, Lord forgive, listen, and act. While Daniel's people were living in sin, this is what the prophet Isaiah says. Remember, while they were living in sin, he says some harsh words. In Isaiah 115, he says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide you from my eyes. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. 
This is what the Lord God said to his children when they were living in sin. But at the same time, further in Isaiah in 65, 24, this is what the, the Lord God says. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. That is how quick God's heart turns back towards his children when they repent. Before they even call, he answers. And while they are still speaking, he hears. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel. He wasn't even the one living in sin. He was faithful. But when he stepped in and prayed for his nation, verse 18 says, while he was speaking, praying and confessing the sin, of his people and of his sin, Gabriel came to him in his extreme weariness. He told Daniel that he was treasured by God. Basically, Gabriel interrupted Daniel's prayer in the middle of it. And God tells us he'll do that, that before we call, he'll answer. That while we are still speaking, he will hear when we turn to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And I love, like, remember King Nebuchadnezzar. When he turned to God, God restored him to his kingship. It's as if he lost nothing. He returned the wasted years to him. Oh, all this took was one person, one righteous person to pray, and it changed the direction of this nation. Gabriel gave Daniel the understanding. It was a prophetic time frame of the rebuilding of the beautiful land, which was Israel, the rebuilding of the city, of the coming Messiah and his death, which would conquer sin, and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, and then the seven years of tribulation. That's what this whole section of the 70 weeks of years was about. We don't have time to go deeply into that. If it is just driving you crazy and you want to hear different teachings on it, I can point you to some really good teachings and podcasts. But I want you to focus in on this prayer this week. Let's together as a body of believers pray for our nation. Let's repent and let's have the heart like Daniel that we're not saying, oh, our nation, they do this, they do that. Let's join in ownership of that and repent on behalf of our nation, and then also look inwardly and repent for the sin in our lives. I promise you that God's heart is going to turn quickly and swiftly towards us, and we can really change the course of things. And we also want to usher in the coming Messiah for his second coming. Well, this has been a great week, and next week I'm really looking forward to it because there is going to be an angelic conflict. And I think that that sounds pretty adventurous. Well, I want to encourage you again, we're doing this in community. It is difficult reading, but when we do it together, we just grow from it. God is doing a great thing and I'm excited to hear your stories. I always love hearing from you and what God is speaking and what God is doing. And I enjoy that some of you are getting together and doing this. So I just want to say hi. I will um, talk to you next week, chapter 10. Happy reading.